much, but Mark chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses, first of all, verses 21 through 24, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 35 and read from 35 to 43. Uh, you can follow it on the screen or you can follow it in your Bible. This is, scriptures are from the King James Version. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Judas went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Now, go down to verse 35 of the same chapter. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? Please get a picture of this in your mind. Here's a, here, here, here's a daddy. It's got a baby girl at home dying. He runs to see Jesus. Things happen. They start to head back home, but then other things keep Jesus from going, getting there right away. And before they could get started headed on that way, somebody from his house came and told him, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he come up to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and seeth the turmoil and them that wept and wailed greatly. <laughs> Lord of God, there's that morning again. And when he was come in, he said to them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Imagine that. And when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered into where the damsel was laying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said to her, Talatha come I. Which, being, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of twelve years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Lord, as we come today, we do not try to add to what you have done. But we are going to only try to complete what you want done in this service because you have given this message for somebody in this house today who is at the point of losing hope. You want to encourage them that you are the I am. You are the one. If they will look to you, nothing will be impossible. In Jesus' name, does the church say, 
You can be seated. I want to speak to you on a subject titled, It's Never Too Late for Jesus. God gave me strength and led me by His Spirit to get up on this platform this morning and tell somebody in this house it's never too late for Jesus. I don't care what the circumstance is. I don't care what doctors say. I don't care what man says. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what your so-called friends say. I say it's never too late for Jesus. If you believe that, give him a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Here we got the story of a man. He was the ruler of a synagogue. He had a precious little daughter of 12 years old that some kind of sickness hit her and hit her hard and fast. And she was at the point of death, ready to die. And the only thing that the daddy knew to do, he heard that Jesus was close by. And so he makes his way to find the Lord, and he gets to the Lord And he says, Lord, he says, please come home, lay your hands on my daughter, because if you don't do it, she's going to die. Please. And Jesus begins to go with them, and the Bible said that there was a great crowd of people gathered all around them. And as they were traveling, there was others. A woman came up who had an issue of blood. We all know that story. This woman... Um, uh, had a had a physical problem and issue for twelve years. She had spent all the money she had on physicians, but it ain't got no better. Only grew worse. She had taken as about as much as she could take. She heard Jesus was coming. There were hundreds of people gathered around him. Hallelujah! But she had this in her heart. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And the Bible says that woman who had been sick for 12 years and spent everything she had on doctors, but it just got worse. Amen. She fought in her weak condition. She fought through that crowd. And since she touched the hem of his garment, that let me know, I believe, this is something I believe the Bible, I believe that she was crawling through that crowd. Hallelujah. She didn't have no strength. She was weak. Hallelujah. And she was doing everything she knew. But she kept battling anyway. I want to tell you today, church, don't give up. Amen. You may be gone through a living 
hell on earth. But Jesus Christ came in this world. Amen. To give his life that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. If you could just press your way through the junk. If you could press your way through the hypocrisy. If you can press your way through all the stuff going on in the world and just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, you will be made high. And that little woman touched the hem of his garment. And what she said came to pass. Jesus stopped. He said, who touched me? Some of his disciples says, Lord, there's all kind of people gathered all around us. I mean, I don't know if you... I, myself, I can't stand to be in a crowd. I don't like big crowds. Amen. Glory to God. I don't, man, I, I, I can count on one time how many times I've been to Opry Mills since they opened that place up. I don't like the big crowds. I'd rather go to the dollar store. Besides, it's cheaper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said, who touched me? They said, how in the world you can ask somebody to touch you, Lord? Because all these people are pushing and shoving. And there's all kind of commotion. Jesus says, somebody touch me because I perceive virtue going out from me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Here's the key. You see, Brother Donald, there was all kind of people touching Jesus that day, but one little sick lady. Hallelujah. She touched him by her faith. Hallelujah. Oh, can I tell you today? Amen. All you got to do is believe and trust him. And when you reach out and touch him, touch him by faith. Faith works all the time. So all that happened, that woman was healed. And, and as Jesus and this ruler of the synagogue started to go on, somebody from the ruler's house came back and passed on a bad report. Bad news. I believe there might be a few people in this house today knows what it is to get bad news. Hallelujah. And he asked the question, he says, he says, your daughter's died. She breathed her last. Why? Why trouble the master any longer? As soon as the man said it, Jesus looked at him. He says, fear not, only believe. Only believe. Hallelujah. Only believe. There's a couple things if I can get it in quickly. I want to tell you about that. <sighs> Folks, Number one, never put limits on God's ability. Hallelujah. 
sometimes we are guilty of putting limits on what God can do and what he can't do. And we should never try to put limits on God's ability. When Jairus first came to Jesus, listen to me close. His daughter was sick, but she still was alive. In a matter of a short time, the circumstances changed. Jesus didn't get there until after she had passed on. No doubt, follow me now, no doubt there were people there who thought Jesus could heal the sick child while the child was still living. But no one there believed in a resurrection. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. They had limited the power of God. Some had thoughts as well, if Jairus can get Jesus back here in time, something might be done. But now, amen, they said this word, it's too late. Anytime you say it's too late, you're limiting the power of God to move in your life. Their view of God's power was limited. In the book of Psalms, chapter 78 and verse 40 and 41, God talking about the children of Israel as he's going through the wilderness. He said, how oft did they provoke me in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Hallelujah. Next verse. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Israel limited the power of God by their lack of faith and their grumbling over circumstance. I'm going, hey, since, since, it, since it starts from the top and goes down, I've, I've got to tell you, I'm guilty. I, I stand before you guilty of sometimes grumbling and complaining about the circumstance I find myself in. But we don't realize when we do that, just like the children of Israel didn't realize back then, when we do that, we are limiting the power of God to move on our behalf. Hallelujah. They limited him by, by their lack of faith and by their grumbling over the circumstance. The people of that generation, listen to this, the people of that generation was privileged to have witnessed some of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible. Go back and follow as Moses led them through the wilderness, and you'll find the greatest miracles in the Bible. Those people saw it. It wasn't something somebody told them about. It wasn't something they seen on the 6 o'clock news. It wasn't something they picked up and read in the Tennessean. They were eyewitnesses to the Red Sea. They were eyewitnesses to Moses striking the rock and water gushing out enough to give 2 million people a drink of water. Can you listen to what I'm saying? Hallelujah. My Lord. That generation had that privilege to witness all those things. But in spite of that, they never established a trust in the God who was leading them. 
They live their lives like, I realize this is, this is kind of crude, and I, uh, I apologize if I offend somebody, but they live their lives like a bunch of spoiled little brats, always grumbling and complaining, never satisfied with the blessings they were receiving. Hallelujah. America's been doing that for some time. We've been the most blessed country in all the world. We have been a shining light, a beacon on a hill. God ordained this nation. He was behind everything. And now the ones who lead it want to take God out of everything. I'm going to tell you something. I've been to Washington, D.C. Uh, uh, two times. And if they're going to take God out, they're going to have to get a whole bunch of bulldozers and they're going to have to start bulldozing down a whole lot of buildings in Washington, D.C. Because in just about every one, there's carved inscriptions. Something about God. Something about the command. Our laws was built on the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. But we have been blessed and we've run around like a bunch of little spoiled brats, always grumbling and complaining, never satisfied with the blessings that we're receiving. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. I am moving fast. Not, not that I speak in respect of want. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He said, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am. Now, he wasn't talking about Ohio or West Virginia. Let me paraphrase it. For I have learned whatever condition, whatever circumstance I am in, therewith to be content. Whew. I know how to be abased. And I know how to be, uh, how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Ever since... since I went to, to Bible college and after graduation I was, I, was given, I was given the opportunity to, to go back and be an instructor in one of the classes and uh, they gave me a class to teach to uh, ministers and uh, Sunday school teachers that was attending uh, a class called hermeneutics. And hermeneutics has, has to do with the interpretation of Scripture. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to try to interpret Scripture. You can't just take it the way that you want it. You can't pull something out of context. Amen. That's how come we got so many different kind of religions and, and, and even cults today. People will take one verse and they'll pull it out from the rest of the 
text that it's in, and that one verse, they'll build a whole theology around it. This one scripture that I read right there, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. We've all heard that used, say, well, you know, I want to learn how to do this, so uh, I believe strong if I can do it, I can do it because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Well, we, we discredit the Word of God sometimes. When you put that scripture, when you leave that verse in with the rest of the verses that it belongs, what was Paul saying? He says, I know how to abound. I know how to be abased. I know how to be hungry uh, and, and, and to be full. He said, I've learned that whatever state I'm in to be content. Then he, he finishes up and concluded by saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. This is what Paul was actually saying. This is how this verse Paul uh, meant for us to interpret it. Paul says, look, I know what it is to sit down and eat a good meal. I know how to be full. I, I know how it is to sit down and eat a good T-bone steak. But there have been times in my ministry and in my life there was no steaks nowhere. There wasn't even a good piece of bologna to be found. He said, but in all conditions I have learned to be content. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Hallelujah. He said, no, what he's trying to say, look, he said, I've ate good today, but listen, if something happens and I can't eat good tomorrow, I'm still going to serve God because I can do all things. I'm going to keep on trucking. Hallelujah. Well, Paul said, I'm in, I'm in good health today. Hallelujah. But tomorrow I might be sick and half dead. Tomorrow I might have one foot in the grave and another no banana peel. But I'm going to keep going because I can do all things. Do you see what it is? See how powerful it is now? Hallelujah. I've got more stuff to go along with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go on and finish it up, give you what I feel like God wants you to hear. I talked about never putting limits on God's ability. And then secondly and finally, never allow fear to become a factor. Never allow fear to become a factor. Used to be a show on TV called Fear Factor. Mrs. Starling, you should like to watch it. It was unbelievable what they put through them contestants for them to try to win a little bit of money. I've seen them lay down in boxes like coffins and fill it full of all kind of big old spiders. I've seen them lay down in boxes like that and just dump all kind of snakes. Would you be up for that kind of money? I didn't think so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Lisa, she's always been why she, I think you say, if Pastor ever brings in one of them uh, pine boxes like they got them some of them churches in East Tennessee and sets it up front. <laughs> Hallelujah. We won't, we're not going to be doing no snake handling around here. Hallelujah. But... Seen them take in big old Madagascar cockroaches. That thing just crawling around and 
chop down on that thing. Don't let fear be a factor. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, ain't going to be no fear because ain't going to be doing it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, I could go on and on with that. But here, here's the point I want to make to you. We don't never know what tomorrow is going to hold. We don't, Brother Paul, that's why we need to be thankful to God in the good times because we don't know what kind of shape we're going to get in before we leave this world. But no matter what comes our way, as children of God, we should not let ever let fear be a factor in our decision of what we do for God. Hallelujah. Let me, let me, let me give you one thing about that, and then we're going to close it down. Hallelujah. Amen. Going back to Mark chapter 5, verses 35 through 36. While he yet spake... There came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troubleth thou the master any further? Verse 36. And as soon, everybody say as soon. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he turns to the ruler of the synagogue and says this, Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Only believe. Don't let fear be a factor, Brother Darrell. Don't let fear become a... The situation for Jairus went from bad to worse. He got out of the frying pan into the fire. Anybody ever been there? He had a pressing need, but Jesus had stopped to help somebody else. Now he got word his daughter was dead and a voice, get this now, a voice was telling him to leave Jesus alone because it's too late. It's all over but the funeral. But Jesus understands the human heart and how easy it is to allow such a shock to be reacted with fear. So in a split second, when the word came, in a split second, Jesus spake, amen, and tells Jairus, be not afraid, only believe. I wonder what kind of thoughts could be entering Jairus' mind that would immediately birth fear. You see, we have to learn, and it's not an easy thing, but we have to learn to control our thoughts. you gotta, you got to pray for God to allow the Holy Spirit to not let your thoughts run rapid. I've told this story before a long time ago. I remember being out in the store one day, and uh, this uh, blonde-headed lady uh, walk, walking by, uh, Kind of stereotypical of a of a uh, a lot lot of blondes you hear talk about, and I'm not trying to say nothing about nobody here today. Watch it, hallelujah! But but what caught my attention is the t-shirt she had on. She said, uh, "My mind wandered and never returned." 
Hallelujah. We have to, we have to learn to control our thoughts, our mind. Now, when, when, when that man come and told Jairus, don't bother Jesus no longer, your daughter's dead. Whatever kind of thoughts that was coming now in Jairus' mind, Jesus immediately turned to him and said, don't fear. There can only be one answer. Here was Jairus. He was walking by Jesus. Here comes the man said, stops him. Don't, don't trouble Jesus no longer. Your daughter's dead. I think that Jairus maybe had some thoughts like this. Oh, it's too late. It's over. It's beyond hope. But Jesus immediately spoke a word to contra contradict all that. You see, many in Jairus' situation would also go on a guilt trip. Maybe some of us would start thinking, oh, oh, I should have been there. I should have been there by the side of my precious little girl holding her hand when she breathed her last breath instead of running out searching after a pipe dream. Listen to me. You see, when we don't allow God to move in our life like He wants to move, we open ourselves to all kinds of guilt, fear, hopelessness. Hallelujah, that's exactly right. He's alive. Amen, hallelujah. But seeking Jesus, folks, never is a pipe dream. It's never too late for Jesus. It's never too late for Jesus. Does that mean that Jesus will always move the way that I want him to? Of course not. But part of trusting Jesus is accepting his perfect will. One thing for sure, there is never room for fear. The Bible calls fear a bondage. Jesus came to make us free. Not to be held in captive by worry and fear. I am closing. Today, I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know what you're trying to endure. But I want to leave you with a thought that it's never too late for Jesus no matter what the situation.